Good morning, friends. Welcome to The Well. My name is Ryan. I'm uh, the lead pastor here. We're thrilled you're here. If you're new with us, you're our guest. And if you'd like to let us know you're here, you can text the word welcome to that number on the screen, 480-530-7234. It's hard to believe it's Sunday again, isn't it? I mean, the, the week's just roll together. It's, I'm losing track. Jim, uh, Jim Gaffigan tweeted this week, man, I can't believe it's still March. I can't argue. It's hard to keep track. Um, but thank you for joining us again today. And, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. And um, if you haven't taken the survey yet about COVID-19 and our weekly worship services, you can go to my weekly email if you get that. I send out an email every Friday and just take that survey. It takes less than a minute. And it's about when you might feel comfortable uh, joining in in-person worship at the well again. And of course, we took the survey a few months ago. And since then, cases in Arizona have spiked. We were leading the world at, at one point. We're number one. And, and so that changed things. So we're putting the survey out there again. And uh, we've gotten a good bit of responses, but the more people respond, the better. So if you haven't taken that survey, please go to my weekly email and uh, take that survey. If you don't get my weekly email, you can text the word welcome to that number on the screen, or you can uh, go to the well website, wellaz.org, and just scroll to the bottom of the page, and then you can sign up for my email there as well. So um, before we get into uh, our road trip series and our guest, uh, Todd and Ashley Pierce today, I just wanted to give a few updates about what's going on at the well. It's a busy time. At the well, we have a lot going on, and uh, so I'm just going to dive in. So this coming Wednesday, July 22nd, is the start of a brand new online connect group. The last group had people from various states participating, like four or five different states. Um, you're welcome to participate wherever you are in the country, and through obviously the beauty of, of Zoom and technology now during the shutdown. So. Um, the new online connect group is going to be discussing this book. It's called Religious Refugees, Deconstructing Towards Spiritual and Emotional Healing. And it's about deconstructing and reconstructing your faith. And it's by our recent guest, Mark Garris. I think he was here in April. Now, I don't say things like this very often. Almost never. So I'm going to push this really hard. Okay, get ready for like the most strong arm in your face commercial you've seen this week probably. So this book is great. One of the reasons that it's great is it's not just a theology book about what you believe and changing beliefs. But Mark is a clinical counselor. He's a therapist in San Diego. So this book is really about the emotional and social journey of deconstructing and reconstructing your faith, changing what you believe, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, just as you go throughout your life, rethinking things, but how excruciating that can be. And I think a lot of times, even those of us who have been in the game for a while, we, I don't know, we, we have blind spots, we lose track. It's just hard to know like what's under the tip of the iceberg in our own hearts. And this book is about that about journeying emotionally and socially through that process. So if you're on the fence at all about, you know, whether you're going to be a part of this group or not, like I said, I hardly ever say things like this, almost never. If you're, if you have the opportunity on Wednesdays to do something, right? If you're not busy on Wednesdays and, and you don't join this group, you're missing out. 
This really is an opportunity. I know what that sounds like, but this really is an opportunity that, um, that you want to take. This could be an experience that can really mean a lot in your life. It's that good. All right, so end of commercial, but the, uh, the online connect group starts this Wednesday studying religious refugees. You can just scroll down the well Facebook page after the series or after the sermon's over and just click on a graphic that looks like that and it'll take you to their group Facebook page and then you can just you know, ask them for information and you can get in and they're meeting um, through Zoom. So yeah, end of commercial, but oh man, the online connect group is going to be great. And then um, two weeks from today, we're starting a brand new sermon series called Distressed, Living in an Age of American Anxiety. You probably feel the same way I do, that every day pretty much is becoming horrifying. There's some new thing that happens that is alarming in our country. And this has to be one of the most anxiety-ridden times in American history. We, we compare this to 1968 or even 1860. Um, this, is a, this is a tough time for all of us. And, and I think it's good to just acknowledge that and be aware of it. And so in this series, we're going to look at anxiety, what the, what the Bible has to say about anxiety, the anxiety we're feeling and its causes, and then what we can do to, yes, relieve our anxiety and also take action to address the root causes of our anxiety. This is going to be a really important series. So I encourage you, it starts two weeks from today, you know, come back, invite friends. Um, it's, it's going to be important for us. And so um, the Census Bureau uh, this year found that 30% of Americans showed symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder. 24% showed significant signs of depression. It's not normal for that many Americans to, to feel anxious and depressed all at one time. So during this series, we're going to talk about political anxiety, financial anxiety, COVID-19 anxiety, relationship anxiety, and future anxiety, just to capture all the rest of it. So does that just about cover it? We're going to look at what the scripture says about anxiety and how we can feel better, but then also what we can do to address the root causes of anxiety. So that's distress coming up in two weeks. And then the Tuesday right after that, August 4th, is the first pub theology that we've ever held. Um, pub theology is, is a new monthly gathering where we're going to join online through Zoom and talk about things that matter. And the very first pub theology is going to uh, be about Christianity and racism. And we're welcoming special guest Carrie Connolly, and she's the author of this book, Good White Racist. Confronting Your Role in Racial Injustice. And this is a book for well-intentioned people, people who don't want to be racist. And of course, when we, when we use that term, there are so many Americans who automatically just put up their defenses. They don't want to hear it anymore. They just changed the channel on me. They just don't want to talk about why, why would all these goody two-shoes just want to bring up the past. And it's one of the reasons we're living in such an anxious time. And so what we want to do as people who love God and love our neighbors as ourselves, people who want to follow Jesus Christ, is we want to be intentional about not being racist because we want to love our brothers and sisters, people who are Native Americans, 
black, Hispanic, Asians, people um, in the LGBTQ community. That's not about race, but it is about anything that, that can be perceived as different from the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant straight male uh, in, in this country has been under attack. And we want to love our brothers and sisters. So the very first pub theology on August 4th will welcome Carrie Connolly, and she's going to present from this book. You can buy the book if you want and read it beforehand. You don't have to if you don't want to. Um, but if you'd like, you can, and then um, she'll present from the book, and then she'll lead a, a dialogue, a question and answer uh, session for about an hour, and that's August 4th. Bring the beverage of your choice and join us on Zoom. The link is in my weekly email. Again, if you don't get that email, you can text, uh, you know, welcome to that number that was there earlier, or you can go to wellaz.org, scroll to the bottom of the, of the, the website, and then sign up for the email. So, um, you know what? Before we move on from that, I wanted to mention something that I think is important and it's why we're doing this. And it's because of, of sports news over the past couple of weeks. Um, Adolf Hitler was an admirer of America's Jim Crow laws during the segregationist period. And he was an admirer of the way that European settlers here treated Native Americans. In 1928, in a speech, Hitler stated that Americans had gunned down the millions of redskins to a few hundred thousand and now keep the modest remnant under observation in a cage. Another word for reservations. Notice Hitler used the term redskins. Tomorrow will be an historic day for American sports. When a, when a certain NFL team announces their, their name change, or at least that they're changing their name. But that's just an example of why this is going to be our very first pub theology topic. So I hope you can make it. All right. Now, we've been in this road trip series for, uh, for several weeks now. And uh, the summer is not exactly conducive to vacations, so we've been taking virtual vacations. We've been listening to guest speakers from all over the country, California, Kansas, Ohio next week, and, and here, here in, in Arizona. And I think one of the themes that we've heard, probably in every interview, really since, since April, since we, we started having services online like this since the shutdown, is we, we've, we've heard the theme of, of growth of people who said, you know what, I, I used to think this, or I was raised this way, or this is what I was taught. And then I went through this, this transformation time of, of searching and questioning, and now I, I think this way. There's been this theme of growth, of, of expanding, of changing our minds, of maturing. And I, I just wanted to share a, a scripture passage with you a couple of verses from uh, the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews is probably the best written book in the New Testament, and the author is anonymous. They used to think it was Paul. It just doesn't fit his, his writing style and his grammar. So there are Bible scholars who believe that uh, perhaps early church leaders wanted her to remain anonymous, whoever wrote this book. And so um, in the letter to the Hebrews, uh, 
there's a discussion about what it means to be a spiritual person, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the greater context is moving beyond what you used to think and kind of mindlessly going through the motions, the rituals, what you used to do, what was given to you, and then going through this process of seeing things in a new way. And so these, these verses fit into that context. And so this is from Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 5 and then the first verse of chapter 1. So let's read. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. So we, we don't just want to do the same things over and over again and expect a different result. The author, the author says it's time to move on from mindlessly doing the same things, unexamined theology, unexamined beliefs, assumptions that we didn't know we had. It's time to move on from maybe what a pastor told us one time and maybe rethink some things. And, and so I think we've seen that theme over the past uh, couple of months. And there are a lot of Christians who they have the idea that in order to uh, be a good Christian, follower of Jesus, you have this statement of faith on the church website and you, you have to be loyal to that for your entire life. You just can't change your mind. You can't rethink anything, right? I mean, so and it's just this unspoken or maybe spoken rule that the, the purpose of your life is to, to conform to this statement of belief on the church website over time, and you just can't change your mind. Changing your mind would be like, it's like being a, a fan of Nickelback. We just don't do that. There, we have rules in this house. We just, we just don't ask questions about this statement of faith on the church website. And there are pastors and churches who believe that uh, conforming to that statement of faith is really the goal of the Christian life. Now, the Bible does say that, that we can conform to the image of Christ, like in Romans 8, 29, that the, as we grow, as we mature, that means conforming to the image of Christ, be, being more like Jesus in our character. But there are pastors and churches who confuse their creed with Christ. They, they confuse the statement of faith on the church website with, with Jesus Christ. And we don't want to confuse a creed with Jesus Christ. We don't want to conform to a creed, and so we believe the same things at 60 that we believed at 16, and that's the goal. No, I don't think that's what growth and maturity looks like. We want to be conformed to Christ not necessarily a creed, and go on to maturity and grow and expand and, and maybe see some things differently over the course of our lives. And our guests today, Todd and Ashley Pierce, to me are, are just a phenomenal example of that in their, in their spiritual lives um, and also in this, uh, this trip that they've planned that they're going to tell you about here in, in a moment. So, Todd and Ashley Pierce are friends of mine. Um, Todd and I went to the same college, same as my wife and, and uh, John Marsh, who's a, a member of the well here. 
and uh, Todd and Ashley were married back in 2006. They used to live in Phoenix. Ashley grew up in Arizona, and then now they live in San Diego. So they're, they're suffering in San Diego during the shutdown. And they both work in the healthcare industry, and they have uh, two little daughters who are about the same age as my boys. And um, we pre-recorded this talk earlier in the week, and really the rest of the sermon today is going to be this video of, uh, of talking with Todd and Ashley. But you're going to hear their story, and, and they have opposite stories, really, opposite upbringings. Their spiritual story and, and how their views have changed and how they've grown and how they've expanded you know, their view of life and God and the world over time. And then you're also going to hear about this trip they've been planning. Before COVID, they planned this, this uh, gap year where they're, uh, they're going to take their daughters and some other friends uh, off, you know, uh, off, of work, off of work for, for a year and then travel the world. And obviously that's been put on hold, but they're still planning to do it. And I just uh, love you know, hearing why they want to travel the world, why travel is important to them. And it's a part of their story. So I'm just going to play this video. It's going to be the rest of the sermon. I'll come back and, and close this at the end. But this is Todd and Ashley Pierce. Let's watch. All right, Todd and Ashley, really appreciate both of you coming on. It's good to see you, first of all. Always good to see friends. And uh, thanks for being willing to talk with us this morning and share you know, about your spiritual journey, share about this trip that you have planned, if possible, if it all works out. So really appreciate you uh, being willing to talk to us. So first of all, I mean, can we just dive right in? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Of course. let's go. All right. So just to fire away, I mean, tell us about yourselves and your spiritual journey. I mean, we've been in this series road trip where we're hearing you know each other's stories. So just tell us about yourselves and your spiritual journey and anything you'd like to share with us. Sure. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, so I'm really happy to be here. Thank you, Ryan, for having it, having us. I'm really excited to see you and, and talk to everybody. And I know we've got friends at the well, so hi to all our friends there. Um, just briefly about my spiritual journey. I grew up probably much like um, Ryan in, in rural Ohio, uh, just about 20 miles outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in a very typical um, uh, rural area of Ohio, evangelical um, I was very steeped in the American evangelical tradition uh, as a young man, as a young boy. Uh, my, my parents are wonderful people, and they raised my brother and I uh, in church. I went to a private Christian school from kindergarten all the way through high school. And then, uh, where I, and then I went on to uh, Christian college uh, to play soccer, and that's where I met Ryan, met John Marsh, and, and many of our other friends. Uh, and so my world was the church. Um, my, and it's something that I would do again in a second. I, I want to just state that really clearly. I, I loved my upbringing. I loved the way I grew up. I was very loved. I was very supported in everything I did. Um, but it was really interesting. So I loved my church, my community. I had a great experience in junior high and high school and youth group. And it wasn't until probably late high school Certain things happen, you know, as you grow up, as, as you mature and as you start dabbling into things within the community and, and you start to question, figure out who you are. Um, my world seemed really small uh, and I thought God seemed kind of small, but I'm a people pleaser and I don't like to rock the boat. So I don't ask too many questions, but it wasn't until I got to college at, at Mount Vernon Nazarene University and had a great experience there and would go back in a second. But I saw a very different uh, 
Christianity than, um, than, I, than I fell in love with. It was very legalistic uh, in some pockets. Obviously, there are many, many great people. But I saw some examples that I just thought, now that just doesn't seem like Christ. Um, or it just seemed inconsistent sometimes. And so I asked, started asking a lot of questions. Um, I kind of use the analogy, I think, as a young, as a young person, you're given a script. You know, you're, you're a young boy. Here's a script. And you follow it. And as a people pleaser myself, I don't ask any too many questions. I, I fall into the role that I'm given. Uh, and it wasn't so I think I started getting a little bit more mature in my faith and asking questions. That I realized that I, I actually can edit this script. You know, I don't have to play along. I don't have to go along with the script as it's written for me or given to me. I can start making some edits. And so I kind of got excited about that. And I started reading um, a lot of different theologians or a lot of different people in the, in the media that maybe went, not against evangelicalism, but kind of more on the outside of the mainstream what I grew up in and maybe some other people grew up in. And I, I started feeling a pull towards that because they welcome questions. Uh, they welcome doubts. And, and you guys, I know the well welcome that and, and invite that. And that's something that I, I can relate a lot with myself. And I think it really wasn't until I had graduated from Mount Vernon Nazarene University and I, I went on to pursue a master's degree in, in South Florida. And so, as you can imagine, as a young man, you grow up in this small bubble, in this world in rural Ohio. You know, you know everybody, everybody knows you. Uh, you know, you go to a small Christian school, everybody knows your business. You go to a college that's not that big, it's a Christian small bubble, everybody knows your business. And then I went to a huge school in the South, 60,000 students at you know, the University of South Florida. And I felt completely alive. I was around people that didn't look like me, didn't grow up like me, didn't act like me. And I just was drawn to that. And thankfully, I've been able, I, I'm able to make friends. And I made a lot of friends that didn't look like me, as I said, and didn't act like me and didn't have the background. And so I just started asking questions. And I really learned a ton in that time about empathy, about compassion. I would have long discussions with my friends and my cohort about faith. You know, a lot of them weren't, didn't have a faith. And so they'd ask me and they challenged me, but because we loved each other and cared about each other, we could have those discussions. And I just felt fully alive. And, and, I, and then I really started realizing why I believe why I believed. I let go of some things and then I, firmed up some things that I, that, I, that I really did believe. And so, like I said, I, I tended to um, edit my own script of my life and, and really figured out why I believe why I believed and not just handed it a faith by your parents or your community or your church. You actually can shape it the way you want to. So yeah, my world got a lot bigger, and I, I just appreciated that. For sure, yeah, man. So you, you went through, I mean, your world expanding, right? Yeah. So I mean, that kind of started your spiritual journey. Ashley, how about you? What would you say about, I mean, your own journey? What would you like to share? Well, I'm not as much of a wordsmith as my husband, so I'll keep it a little bit more brief. But um, She's modest. She's modest. <laughs> um, I was raised probably as, as differently as you can get from the way that Todd was raised. Um, both of my parents were raised in religious households, um, and they did not want to raise their children in the same environment. Um, but at the same time, they were always very supportive. And so from a very young age, I was always seeking out um, religion and God and the community, I think, is really kind of that draw that uh, was there for me from a very young age. So I went to all sorts of different churches with lots of different friends on Sundays. I was always very eager to learn and 
would tell my mom and in high school I um, got involved on the peripheral um, with a Catholic church, but not being Catholic, not being raised Catholic, that was a hard place to just kind of delve in. But my mom joined me for uh, a service. Um, and then I quickly found out that wasn't necessarily my, it, it's hard to kind of start there. Um, so I was still searching and then just through a group of really good friends as I had some kind of life changes, um, were really there for me. And, um, that's kind of as my early twenties, as I had a lot of life transitions, um, started to find my community and church and, um, a great woman's, um, Bible study. I, I say women in quotes, quotes, we're all, you know, 1920. Um, but I think I was 21 when I, um, was baptized. And so that was really pivotal. And so several years later, I was still very, um, and still am still always learning and was kind of developing my faith and what that looked like and not coming from that, not given that script like Todd was, um, I always was questioning. So I had friends, you know, that were in the Bible study with me and they were, they were raised in the church and I was not. So certain things weren't familiar to me or I had outside influences that were very important in my life and were, Part of who I was. And so I had to question that and see how um, the Bible, God's word could fit in with who I was because to my core, I wasn't changing. And so how did those two connect? And um, so that was very much my kind of transition and path when Todd and I met and then met you. And one of the things that you just changed my life in so many reasons, so many ways, but specifically for you had so many answers and could give the, the, the historical context of the scripture that we were reading and allowed me to question and um, provide a safe space for that. Um, and so I think that's really important for, for people who are um, learning. Um, but for me specifically, I know there's not always black and white, but to know the context and to be, give that freedom to, to ask questions, I think is really important. That's very kind of you to say that. Um, but uh, you're you're both great people. You're thinking people. Um, you both have great hearts, and and you guys got married in 2006, um, right? I got the I got the year right. Okay, and uh, yeah, right. And then um, take kind of take us from there, like, um, and as we share, like, in, in in I can identify, or at least I'll speak for myself. Like, it's it's hard for me sometimes to share my spiritual journey because I'm afraid that people are going to be offended at what I say or that they're going to be disappointed somehow. Or, and yeah. so I know it's always kind of tough to, to, to share, but whatever you'd like to share with us about your spiritual journey since then, you know, mm -hmm. around the time you guys met, got married, what would you like to share about your spiritual journey since then? Yeah, I think, you know, from, from day one, we realized we had so much in common and so many similar passions. We're both, um, we both work in the healthcare industry. So we're at our heart, we're givers and, and we, we want to take care of people and we want to have a mission driven kind of purpose, right? Whether that's work, whether that's faith, whether it's in our community. And I think for us, we, we connected on a lot of different levels, but that was probably a, a big one for us. And I know early on with you, just being part of the homeless ministry that we had downtown, was one of the most, I think it's still to this day, one of the highlights of our spiritual lives. Uh, we talk about it all the time, we reference it, and and how 
just how meaningful that was, not what we were doing for those people, but what we were experiencing from them. And, and, the, and the examples and the education and learning we got from them, I, I always tell everybody, I got more out of that than they, we, they, anybody downtown that was homeless probably got out of that. And that's one of the big things that's kind of shaped us is, is we want to we want to be action oriented. And um, I love I love this Dr. David Dark. He's a professor at, at Belmont University. He talks about, you know, don't tell me what you believe. Show me your receipts of your life and I'll tell you what you believe. And it's beliefs are wonderful. It's, it's important. Beliefs are important. But if be, beliefs don't spur you to action, then it's a, it's, it's it's not faith. It, it's It's dead. And so for me, it's always coupling the two. And we have a, a strong belief in Christ and what Christ wants to use us for. And, and I'm, we're constantly trying to think. And, and we, don't, we, always, we don't do it well all the time. And I would be the first one to admit there's a lot of areas that, I, that we're, we're trying to get better at and, and we're not doing a great job at. But it's a passion of ours. And I think that's something we love to do. I see it in Ashley's work, the work that she does with the seniors with dementia and Alzheimer's. You know, we get that meaning in, in what we do, but at the same time, it's something that we want to pass on to our kids and in our community, especially with everything going on right now with the racial injustice and everything with COVID. And, and how can you get back in this, this time that's really tough? It's tough to know where, where are you safe, where are you not, and, and how can I be an ally for those people that, that maybe don't have the people speaking up for them? So that's that's one of the things that we connected on and, and really being socially justice minded and how do we couple that with our faith? And, and that's really important for us. Yeah. And so maybe moving from a place, at least for Todd, prob- probably for you and I, where our, our faith was about what we believe yeah. to maybe more focused on actions. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are some of those maybe things that go along with that? Um, things in your spiritual journey where you felt like you've had to uh, wrestle with your past upbringing um, in more conservative evangelical circles, and and how is your faith a little different, maybe, than what it was at that point? And either of you, either of you, can uh, jump I can in. Away on this. Um, <laughs> I'm still unlearning a lot of the things of the past. So I know I've talked to you about this before, Ryan. But um, growing up in a kind of a legalistic uh, bubble or sec- section of Christianity. And again, that's it, not everybody. There's amazing people that I grew up with, but the overall, some, some of that culture is about checklist Christianity. Don't do this, do this, don't do this, make sure you don't do this. And co- with that came a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And I, I will, I will say that Ashley has helped me more than any person here on earth to get rid of that shame. Um, thankfully, as she alluded to earlier, she grew up, we couldn't have grown up any different, which I love. I love telling that story. We love talking about that. But I mean, I would early in our relationship, our marriage, I would, you know, have a bad day or, or I would do something wrong. And it would just be about guilt and shame would just wash over me. And it, it would take me a day, two, three days to get over it. And thankfully, you know, the gracious woman that she is, you know, figuratively slapped me around the head, not literally, but just said, you know, you got, you can't do this anymore. This isn't healthy. And you've got to, you've got to work this out and, and, and figure out how to get past this because this isn't healthy. It's not Christ-like. Uh, and so for me, it's, it's, I talk about the art of unlearning and I'm still trying to get good at that, good at that, but I'm trying to unlearn as much as I am learning. So, you know, when we, you talk about deconstruction, I have been on a deconstruction reconstruction path for probably the last 12 years 
maybe even more, to be honest with you. And it's been so rewarding. But at the same time, when things are hardwired uh, from a young boy, it's really hard to unlearn those. Uh, and that shame or that guilt can creep back in real quickly. Un but you, you think you have it you know, mastered, but you don't, at least for me. And, and it's, it's getting less and less over the years, thankfully, with an amazing wife. And she's so supportive in that great community um, in my relationship with Christ has helped me kind of rid that as much as I can. But it, it's a process. I'm not sure I'll ever totally get rid of it. But if I can, I think also having children, having a different perspective too, yeah. you can kind of unwind some of that and where and take it away from it being about you and saying yeah. that we need to, I need to stop this pattern because it's not healthy for me. And I don't want to have that be put on my kids, you know, and there's different. So, um, so I think that's a good like thing that, that we've tried to work with both of our as parents and the things that we want to um, um, pass down, pass down yeah. that were the positive things that were in our family, but also those things that we, we want to break that cycle. Um, so I think that's, that has really helped in that too. Yeah. I think kids sober you up quite a bit. And I think when you have right. things in your life that you're like, wow, I do not want to put that uh, on my little girls. Uh, you do kind of start realizing I, I need to deal with this quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, to make sure that I'm a good example and that I'm not you know, passing that on. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you both saying that you want to pass on a healthy spirituality to your kids and you both come at that for really, like you said, from opposite directions because of, because of your upbringings being different. Um, and uh, I'm sure that, well, the truth is your daughters will never know what you spared them from. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> right? isn't, isn't that the goal of parenting to basically minimize the therapy bill? Isn't that absolutely? And there will be one, no matter what. There will be. There will be. Yeah. Right. Let's be honest. We're gonna pass on something. All right. But speaking. Speaking on. You know, passing on life and experiences. You, you're planning this trip, mm -hmm. and and you've been planning it for a while now. COVID nineteen is kind of complicating things sure. to some degree, but you've been planning a trip essentially around the world. Is that right? Yeah, um, it's been a trip in the making for quite some time. I think, you know, just to tie this back to our world, you know, my world, God was very small when I grew up. And I think God has only gotten bigger, thankfully, to me as I've traveled, as we've traveled together, as we've experienced new cultures around the world. And we want our God, our girls, definitely, you know, God to be as big as possible and as open as possible. And, uh, you know, we tend to create God in our, you know, our own image. We define him. And of course he's indefinable, but I want to give them a version that's as big as, as they can imagine. And I think I, when I was young and in my mid twenties, I started to travel and it opened my eyes to all the possibilities and seeing God in different ways and in different places around the world. And I think that's one of the things we connected on right away is travel. I mean, the first, our first time we met, we were joking about, you know, living in London and we've both been to abroad and things that we loved and we just connected instantly. And it was on travel. It was it was on that. And we've traveled a lot since and we've taken our girls um, around the world. And about five years ago, we thought, why don't we do something crazy and take a gap year? Put uh, our jobs and let's take our girls around the world for 12 months, try and hit 12 to 15 countries and just immerse ourselves in each country for about a month or so. Learn the culture, learn the you know, learn the language as best we can. Um, understand their cultures, their what they do, how they eat, 
how they interact with one another. Their face. Yeah, their face. It's just, it's going to be a lifelong learning experience for them. Uh, and we would love to give them that, that treat. And so we started planning that a while ago. And um, we were actually, we were scheduled to be in Costa Rica right now. Uh, but unfortunately, this thing called COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, you guys have heard about. Uh, <laughs> and it's got to put everything on the shelf. And we have said, and it was a real big disappointment. We're not going to lie. I mean, it, it floored us. Um, at first, it was somewhat, we were in a funk. I mean, we had planned this for so long. We were scheduled to leave June 22nd. And we, and even in the early days of COVID, we thought, ah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. We'll get it. We'll get there. Um, and then slowly but surely, we realized that's not, that's not gonna happen. So we're committed. Uh, we're going on this trip. We just don't know when. Uh, that's up to you know, God and, and whenever we're allowed to safely to go. And so we want to be able to share that gift with our girls. And we're actually going with our best friends. They have two kids around our, our kids' age. So it's gonna be the eight of us. Um, and we're going to travel together and uh, experience the world. So. That's awesome. What's the itinerary? Like, can you rattle off the countries that you plan on visiting? Or uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll try. Okay, so <laughs> right off, I know I'm just springing that on you. Like, no, I, I can no, do no. it. Yeah, the goal is um, roughly kind of three months in each area. So we're we're supposed to start launch date um, and go to Costa Rica, and then work our way to Peru. Chile, Argentina, yeah. Um, roughly. Yeah. It's all very working, workable. And then from there, uh, fly over to New Zealand. Spend about a month in New Zealand if we can afford it. Um, <laughs> and then from New Zealand up to Bali. And then for my birthday. Uh, and then from Bali, Indonesia, um, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, potentially Korea. And then from there over to Italy, Portugal, Spain, and uh, Todd's brother lives in Germany. Uh, he married a Berliner. So kind of round out the trip in Croatia where they spend the summers in Berlin with family. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be an experience, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fluid experience. And like Ashley said, it's, it, is, it is very fluid. I mean, we want to be open-minded. We're not booking things ahead of time. We're just going to, you know see where it takes us. We might fall in love with the country and stay there. I mean, that's, we're completely open to that possibility. But I think something that's important is that a lot of people are like, Oh, that's so amazing. How much fun. And yes, of course. But the goal is to be there for a month where our kids can learn and meet other kids and play soccer with them out in the street and um, really immerse ourselves in the, in the community and learn. And, you know, uh, we want, the end of this are girls to be global citizens, not San Diegans. Yeah. Um, and so that's really, we're not going to, there will be some time on the beach in a hammock, but <laughs> that's not the goal of the trip. So hopefully you're going to be able to go soon. I mean, hopefully. Yeah, we, we, we pushed it off a year. So we, thankfully, and this has been an answer to prayer for us, our, 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 all, our jobs, all four adults that are going, all of our jobs and companies have been 100% supportive. We all have jobs when we come back with the nice. same companies. Wow. Uh, they have been amazingly supportive. We all told them before COVID. Uh, so we were hoping that they would l let us continue our jobs. And so we've, we've committed to staying another year, at least till next June. Hopefully okay. it will be farther than that. But we thought, you know, yeah. also taking the girls in and out of school probably is not the best, you know, the easiest thing for them. So what we're going to hopefully 2021 in June. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being willing to come on. And 
I know when we were planning this, I just tossed out like, okay, tell me about your spiritual journey. Why do you want to travel the world? I like these open-ended vague questions and you both were great sports. Um, so thanks for sharing. And, and I think as, as I'm watching and everybody's watching right now, we're seeing in, in two of you, in the two of you, we're seeing people who want to continually expand, mm-hmm. who want to continually grow as people in your relationship with God, your spirituality, but in your experience of the world. And you want to pass that on to your daughters as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I can't, uh, I can't think of a healthier example as, as parents to pass on to your kids. So thank you, Ryan. That means a lot coming from you. We appreciate it. Well, thank you both so much, Todd and Ashley Pierce. Thanks for being on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. See you soon. All right. Isn't it great to hear their story? I, just, I loved hearing Todd and Ashley share about, I mean, their upbringings and how they have grown and expanded over time. But then this trip, I mean, it's gutsy to uh, take a year off of work and, and go around the world. It, it really caused me to think, you know, about um, my own travel. And when I listened to Todd and Ashley share, I couldn't help but think of the Mark Twain quote. And I looked it up while they were talking. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. What if, what if we were all more well-traveled? The things that we're experiencing as a country, you know, would we still be going through such a difficult time if all of us were, were more well-traveled? And as parents, I mean, Todd and Ashley want to give their, their daughters a view of the world that is bigger than the one they were given. And that's the goal for any, any good parent. But um, to help their daughters to see uh, the world as bigger and God as bigger and spirituality as bigger and being a good person is bigger and the meaning of life is bigger than, than what they saw in the past. So I just love their story. And, you know, this road trip series has been, uh, for me, really encouraging to hear people share their stories and to hear if I'm just going to be completely honest with you, that I'm not alone. For me, the power of hearing in many of you, when I, you know, whether you're on you know, the Sunday morning you know, service or not, but just hearing your stories, it reminds me that I'm not alone. Because lots of us who do want to grow and mature and think beyond whatever we've been given, and sometimes we do feel alone. Sometimes we feel ashamed, as Todd mentioned shame, you know, that, that there's, it seems like there's so many people who just don't want that. And, and maybe they've confused a creed with Christ, or maybe it looks differently in your life, I don't know. But, but it's, it's been great for me just to hear stories and, and be reminded that I'm not alone. And if you feel alone, or if you feel a sense of shame because of your own spiritual journey, then I hope this road trip series has meant to you that you're not alone. And there are people in various places, and it's cheesy, but as we've virtually traveled around the country, there are people in different places that you can identify with and you can have community. And next week, we're going to wrap up the series with Pastor Derek Hickman, who's a pastor of a church near Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he and I went to seminary together, actually. And uh, he's going to be sharing next week. And I think we'll hear it again, that we're not alone. 
All right. And if you feel that way, again, as if I didn't plug them hard enough earlier, there are opportunities to experience community. Coronavirus doesn't have to stop community. So the online connect group starts this week. If, if you feel like this at times, jump in just get on our Facebook page, scroll down, click the graphic that looks like the online connect group there, graphic there, and then, you know, message them for more information. And then pub theology starts August 4th, um, on zoom. And you can find that link, uh, in, uh, in my email. So as we close today, I want to invite you to pray with me. And I'm thinking, uh, especially of those of us who do feel alone at times or a sense of shame because of our spiritual journeys. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me. God, we're thankful for Todd and Ashley's story. We're thankful for the stories of everybody who, have, who has, uh, has shared through uh, you know, the road trip series and before that. Um, and as we hear their stories, we can enter into their stories because we can identify with them. I say, oh yeah, I, I was raised that way, or, or, or I used to think this, and now I think this, and oh yeah, I felt this way. I felt shame, I, I felt alone, and, and we can find ourselves in each other's stories, and that is community. We're living in an anxious time, as we'll talk about in a couple of weeks in the Distress series, but we're living in a lonely time, a time of, of literal and figurative isolation. God, thank you that hearing people's stories like this reminds me that I'm not alone. I am not alone. That's true of everyone listening to this right now. You are not alone. You, you can say it even to yourself. I am not alone. And I don't have to feel shame because I want to grow and, and change my mind and expand I don't want to see the world at 60 the same way I did at 16. And that's certainly nothing to be ashamed of. And, and I'm not alone because there are other people who want to, to grow and expand just the same way. Oh God, we need that right now in this country. So badly. We don't, we don't know what the future holds, but we know it will be better if more of us could feel comfortable growing and changing our minds and, and traveling and learning and expanding. So God, thank you that we can join together in community here at the well and churches like us and the online connect group and pup theology and whatever else it is, you know, um, wherever folks live who are watching us, whatever communities there are available, we can join together and we don't have to be alone. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.